HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Time for Lunch is a new podcast from HRN for curious young eaters, where we focus on the serious questions. Aren't chickens tiny dinosaurs? We get to know our favorite foods in unexpected ways. We just like cheered like you would cheer for your classmate when they're round in second base in softball. And we just like, peach, 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 peach. Yay, thank you, peaches. Learn some new recipes and jokes. What does a boxer's mom put in his lunch? A knuckle sandwich. And load up on fun facts. Experts estimate that there are between one and 2,000 types of insects eaten around the world. So roll up your sleeves and dig in. Subscribe to Time for Lunch on your favorite podcast app so that you and your favorite young eater can catch up on the whole first season. New episodes of season two out each week. Welcome to Life's a Banquet, a podcast that I am going to eat a pretzel on with your host, Zara Tangora and Nicole Bailey. Hmm, I take it from the sound of your voice that you don't like the sound of me eating a pretzel on air. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay, well, should we end this right now or should we somehow come to a compromise? The compromise is you stop eating the pretzels. <laughs> Okay, listen, I have half of a pretzel left. It's not a huge pretzel, but it's not a bite-sized pretzel. What should I do? Do you want me to put it down? I think you should crush it beneath your heel. (laughs) (laughs) Now listen, let's be reasonable here. We're both civilized people. Mm. Nicole, we're in the same state for the first time in how long? Like a month? You were away for quite some time. Yeah, I was gone for about a month, I think. I really missed you, and I continue to miss you because I haven't seen you face-to-face yet. Well, it looks the same, I think. Hmm. Except for I'm wearing glasses right now. Ooh, samesies. I'm also wearing glasses. Whoa. Mmm, crazed. So, how does it feel <laughs> to be back? Um, it's a pretty gross time to be back in New York. Uh, uh. I'm also drinking something. I'm having a flavored seltzer. Um, gross in terms of what? Hot? Yeah. Or just because the world is gross. The world is gross. Yeah. 
uh, New York is gross. Also, something happened while I was gone that's very mysterious, which is the feral cats that live outside my window are gone, all gone. Oh, wow. That's a sign of the apocalypse. Where did they go? That's the first plague. First, all the cats <laughs> disappear. <laughs> then locusts. <laughs> then it rains frogs, and that's when I'm out. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I don't know where they are. I don't know if they died, where their dead bodies are. Huh. There are... I think I know where they are. Where, where are Amanda? So, have you heard in the news how there's just been, like, a surplus of dead rats in New York City just because they had nothing to eat? Oh, no. no. I heard that they were eating each other. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, yes, that. But I think probably the cats probably realized that, that there was that lack of food, and they just bounced. Mm. Well, these cats, so most feral cat colonies don't go anywhere because they're being fed. And these cats were being fed by my upstairs neighbor. So who's still there? Um, so it's weird that they would leave. It is really weird. Um, also, now there's so many more birds on my roof. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Well, the cats would, I don't think the cats even ate the birds. They just scared them away. It actually does kind of feel apocalyptic a little bit, like the bees disappearing. You know what I mean? You're like, Ooh. Yeah. It's just weird. They just, you know, I used to see them every day. Yeah. Do you miss them? Kind of. Huh. I just don't like change. <laughs> change is hard for everyone, really, no matter what. Um, I'm having a little bit of a crisis here right before the show. I decided I would cut up these, like, banana peppers that were have been in my fridge for two weeks. Mm-hmm. I was going to try to stuff them with some rice and then pickle half the other half of them. I didn't think they'd be that spicy. <laughs> but lo and behold, they were. And I, like, touched my lips, but now my whole face is fucking burning. <laughs> and you were eating pretzels. And I'm eating pretzels. I'm drinking a Spindrift. Now, this is not an ad for Spindrift soda, but it could be. Spindrift, call us. Have you had this? This yeah. drink? I like it. In fact, I love it. I'm like, whatever about it. Oh, really? It depends on the flavor, really. I'm having a mango. Very into it. I've never had the mango. Mango is oh. really exploding in the beverage world, though. It seems that everything is mango flavored. Really? A lot of mango this and mango that? I hadn't noticed. Have, do you remember Mango Madness? From uh, Snapple? Snapple? No. Yeah. I don't, don't get into mango. Ugh. Me neither. I really never fuck with mango, but I did love Mango Madness. <laughs> I find a regular mango too hard to get into. Well, you just never know if they're ripe or not, and an unripe mango is unchilled. Well, yeah, that's true. Unless it's like in a in a salad, I guess, with sure. like a savory kind of component to it. But I actually have this weird thing with mango, um, where like if I nibble on a mango pit, as you know, one might, at the end of the mango, I get like a weird reaction on my mouth. Does your tongue get numb? No, I get like blisters all over my fucking face. <laughs> that's it's promise. terrible. It's a common thing that happens. Oh, really? It's a common mango malady? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's some people just have a weird reaction to the mango. No, that's mango madness. But why only the pit, I wonder? Somebody tell me. I don't know. I'm not a whatever, a mango doctor. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't get your doctorate in mangoology? I don't even know why we're friends. (laughs) 
in that case. I thought you knew more about mangoes. I don't know. Anyway, we should just end this podcast now. If you tuned in for riveting mango content, you've come to the wrong place. (laughs) I think this is riveting. That's true. It is exciting. Um, So what what is your favorite thing about being back? Is there anything exciting for you about having returned? Wait, what? You cut out. I says to the guy, I says, what's your favorite thing about being back in New York City? Uh, Anything posy? No. Oh, wow. Doomsday snare. It's just like, you know, horrible here. I did get to babysit my friend's baby for 14 hours. That was pretty fun. Oh, that's cute. I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. Uh, I think it's a horrible time. I actually really enjoy the very hot, wet, blazing, scorching lava hot weather. So for me, that's not so bad. Plus, I just really like New York City. It's certainly not the best time in history, <laughs> to yeah, say the least. Yeah, I just feel like my neighborhood is not very nice to be yeah. in when it's hot. And... Right. Yeah. I feel you, dog. I smell what the rock is cooking. It's it's cod. Um. Right. I took a long walk the other day. I think I mentioned to you. I walked 18 miles round trip on like a 95 degree day. Nope. For some god <laughs> un- for unknown reason. Why did you um, do it? Why? Why did I? Because I have a lot of anxiety and no job. And so really all I can feel like I can do at this point to kind of get out of my old brain box. Um and be physical and like I feel like I do some of my best thinking when I'm when I'm walking I know for a lot of folks it happens on the toilet really for me it happens <laughs> while I'm walking so I walked from my house to Brighton Beach and back and I stopped at um to Farah on the way back and got some pizza which really made it worth it but it might have been too long I had a really bad headache when I got home and did I they have slices at Tafara? yeah they have what? slices yeah since forever, they've always had slices. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, most people don't get slices. I mean, not most people, but if you're going to make the trek out there, it's like, might as well get a pie, but I was alone, so. I was going to get a pie. I was fucking walked 18 miles. I could have eaten a pie easily. <laughs> It'd be really funny, though, but then you'd have to walk home with a huge box of pizza. A huge pie. Yeah. So I didn't do that. Um, but I did do something that I wanted to run by you because I'm a bit concerned that I may have been cursed on this Uh-oh. walk yeah did you say uh, something bad to someone no no heavens no worse though um so i didn't really have to pee but as you we've both i think experienced this in the past couple months like when we were walking off for protesting and now in new york city as in many places there's no like public bathrooms available so i have like more than i actually have to pee because when you're walking that far you don't really have to pee because you're sweating so much but I get anxiety that I will later in the walk. So it's kind of like, I'm like, if I see a spot that I can pee, I'm like, I might as well now, you know? Yeah. So I'm walking down Ocean Parkway in like the Hasidic or, or Orthodox area, which is actually a huge swath of area. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I'm walking by this like crazy old Orthodox cemetery and I walk in, I'm like poking around, looking around. It was really cool in there. And then I was like, I should pee because <laughs> I'm all alone. Oh, I went, I've been in there too because I went over, I went to that park over there. Okay. So yeah, you can just walk right into the cemetery. Right. I peed in there. And then when I left, I immediately felt as though I had been cursed. Do you think mm-hmm. that's possible? For, is it terrible to pee in a cemetery? How do we feel about this? Uh, 
it feels like a bad idea. I'm a little bit superstitious, though. I always try to hold my breath when I drive by a cemetery. Yeah. I'm not... <laughs> I don't condone anything. I don't condone it either at all, and I regret it very much. But, well, like... you would... I mean, it would have been really bad if someone... Because I went in there to poke around, too, and then I saw this couple driving away like they had been looking at me and trying to tell if I was Jewish or not because I was like walking around all the graves which are really Uh, overgrown and full of bugs (laughs) yeah there was a lot of bugs and like I didn't pee like on a grave I peed on like a like a little walkway like under a tree on the sidewalk no not on the sidewalk just like there's like little paths you know what I mean so you can walk Mm -hmm. to the graves I peed on the path like not on someone's grave no, it was grass. Oh, okay, okay. Got it. I mean, that seems fine to me. But there's could be bodies I'm Jewish. That's true. But then I had this, like, crazy thought when I left <laughs> that maybe, like, everyone at some point in their life has something terrible happen to them because inevitably we've all peed on a grave at some point because there's so many bodies buried under places that aren't just in graveyards at this point that, right. like, inevitably everyone's peed on somebody's, like, dead body. And therefore, I'm wondering if like people have horrible things happen to their lives because we've all like defecated and peed some at some point on someone's grave. No, that would be. That's too fringe. Well, I just feel like <laughs> horrible things don't always happen to people. So oh, that's true. That's true. Well, I mean, and most people have one bad thing happen in their life. Interestingly, Even... I was doing the research on the origins of my hometown, and I found out that the park that I played in as a child is still there was the home of a small church cemetery. <gasps> and they allegedly moved the bodies when they built the park, but maybe they didn't just, like, in Poltergeist. So that's oh, no. cool. Wow. Do you feel like you were haunted as a child? Mm-mm. No? No, I just went to the park. And then on July, we had our fireworks on July 3rd. Oh. So everyone can go to them. Um that was scary because I didn't like fireworks as a kid, but that's the only time I was ever scared in that part. Interesting. Um, have you ever seen a ghost? No. Okay. I feel like, I think I, you know this, this, but I'm not sure if our, our one listener is aware. So, um, when I, when I, when my dad died, I went down to North Carolina to his house and he was like very, particular about his house it was all like set up like the way he wanted he had a lot of collections and a lot of art it was very like all put together very specifically and like you know we were like breaking down the house and like packing everything up and on the last night we were there was with Becky and Breton and in the middle of the night like we all felt like this terrible weird feeling and like a cool breeze and then all the tin toys started going off in the middle of the night yeah that's scary it was scary I'm like I think my dad wouldn't have wanted to scare us, but I felt like the energy was weird and he wouldn't have wanted people to see his house in that way. So that's the closest ghost experience I have had. But I'm seeking more if any ghosts out there. (laughs) I'm very lonely. (laughs) Seeking ghosts. Wouldn't that be a funny personal ad to put out? I think that it's been put out. That lady, like, married a ghost. Whom? Um, I don't know. She's like a lady. She's a little bit famous. She had sex with the ghost and then married the ghost. Oh, ghost sex. Interesting. Mm-hmm. It's uh, the follow-up to Ghost Dad. 
yeah, it would be the prequel. Right? The prequel to Ghost Town. Right, 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 right. So what else is up? Should we get into our top deck? Should we get into our topic? Or do you have anything else that you want to say first? Uh, no, let's get into our topic. Okay, good, because mine's long today. Mine might be long. This might be like a six-hour-long episode. It's fine. Holy shit, Amanda. Fucking Bones. hold on to your butt. <laughs> Four extra hours. <laughs> okay, Wait, cool. Yay, we're doing beaches. The beach is our topic today. The beach. Not beaches, the movie, unfortunately. Or the movie The Beach with Le- with Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> 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 I detailed everything Leonardo DiCaprio ate while on vacation in Thailand in the movie The Beach. <laughs> um... Well, I wanted to, because my part doesn't mention food at all, so I wanted to incorporate food into this so that people don't unsubscribe. Okay, Um, good, good. So I wanted to play my favorite game with you, which is, what is the most hilarious or inappropriate food to bring to a hot summer beach trip? (laughs) Lasagna. Spaghetti and meatballs. I was going to say that. (laughs) Can you say spaghetti and meatballs with what? What else? I have baked Alaska. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Cans of green beans. Oh, yeah, that's bad. (laughs) Pudding. Uh, uh Uh-huh. Pudding is terrible. (laughs) Hot soup. (laughs) Oatmeal. (laughs) Chili. Okay. Macaroni and cheese. Yeah, that's, well, yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah, I don't know. I was like, eh, I don't know. I'm on the fence about this one. Um, like baked macaroni and cheese that was cold. You know what I mean? Like a slice. I could see maybe being sure. Like a hot macaroni and cheese. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. In a, in a hot dish. <laughs> sure. Um, mashed potatoes, <laughs> which then just led me down a whole other category, which is I think that all Thanksgiving foods are bad to bring to a hot beach. Yeah, day. I was going to say a whole turkey. A pumpkin pie, a pecan pie. <laughs> a stuffing. Cranberry sauce, maybe it would be okay. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and then green bean casserole. Really, green beans have no place on the beach. Yeah, I guess like a green bean salad, I can, I can mess right. with that. Oh, yeah, green bean salad. You did bring that to the beach. Yeah, do you want me to give you my answers? Yes. Okay, like a full shawarma <laughs> that you have to, that's still spinning. <laughs> You don't have to slice it. <laughs> yeah. Um, matzo ball soup. I guess that's a hot soup. That's already been covered. Um, as I mentioned before, lasagna. Um, an ice cream cake. Yeah. Because I mean, baked Alaska pretty much covers. <clears throat> that's true. Okay. I'm sorry. I don't want to rip your shit off. Yeah. It's settled down. Um, ooh, this is so good. I wish I had had more time to think of it. Um... Hmm, I guess chicken pot pie. (laughs) (laughs) I guess if I had to say something, I would have to say chicken pot pie. Um, Belgian waffles. (laughs) Belgian waffles with whipped cream. (laughs) Ooh, eggs benedict. Yeah, jiggly eggs benedict. Scrambled eggs also not a good idea. Yeah, no, definitely not scrambled (laughs) eggs. Mm, oh, like, oh, I guess sesame chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Lo mein. <laughs> Look, kanji. Um, would not be dim great. Dim sum. <laughs> yeah, dim sum, no. I guess 
Buns would work well, though, actually. Buns could work. Yeah, buns could work. Um, like, roast beast. <laughs> um, yeah, those are... Oh, of course, our our favorite. Um, period, blood-laced, dinty more beef stew. Mm, yes. Also, like, a porterhouse. Yeah. <laughs> a baked potato. <laughs> What about a twice baked potato? That would be terrible on the beach. I think that that would be fine. I was like, oh, baked potato, that's terrible. But actually, that's very portable. Okay. Yeah, I guess so. Hmm. Let's see. <laughs> Shrimp cocktail? No, that'd be good. Although, you know, if you could keep it cold, I guess that would be good. I guess it depends on the beach setting. Like, if you're in, like, a cabana, that's fine. Yeah, that would be fine. Hmm. I'd like to think of one more funny one before we... Because you eat ceviche, you know, on the beach. Yeah, you definitely eat ceviche on the beach. That's true. Mm, I'll, I'll think of one at like a really inappropriate time and just blurt like it out. Fish sticks, fish sticks are nodding. <laughs> fish sticks, or like a frozen pizza. Mm, yeah, that would be difficult. Mm, I guess like a whole meatloaf. <laughs> oh, a TV dinner. <laughs> a TV dinner would be terrible. I think that might be the worst. All right, cool. So those are all disgusting foods to eat on the beach. <laughs> that is a great question. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yes, Please, um, welcome. oh, submit um your guys's worst beach foods to yeah. us um on Instagram dot kizzy. Yeah. Um, and then like, we can put it because this is going to be a two parter, right? Yeah. So we'll be a two parter. We'll mention it in our next week's app. Great. Um. Okay. So I'm going to talk about Jacob Reese Beach. Okay. Cool. Never been. Yeah. A little bit about the man himself, but not that much. Um, Okay, so Jacob Reese Beach was underwater until, like, 1878. So until then, nobody even knew that was land under there. They're just like, yeah, that's just the ocean. But then in 1878, (laughs) something happened. The Earth turned on its axis or whatever. And then the isthmus or whatever appeared. And then... um, The isthmus? Yeah. Okay, cool. Just making sure. <laughs> Chill, um, this. In 1879, some business dudes were like, let's make this into a theme park. It's going to have a horse track. It's going to have hotels. There's going to be a pavilion. And they were like, this is great. Um, so they bought 1,500 acres of the land, and they decided to call up Fred Olmsted, who everyone knows is the designer mm. of Central Park. <laughs> Good old class, typical Fred. <laughs> and they're like, Fred, take a look. What can you do out here? Um, they built the hotel called the Hotel Imperial. And this is a theme. They opened the hotel even though it wasn't completed. Um, oh. This is what they did back then, I guess. Um, they opened that hotel in 1881, but then the business dudes went bankrupt and they just tore the hotel right down. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Wow. That's very Costner of them. Yeah. And so then they kind of basically were like, okay, never mind. We're not going to do any of that shit. And who cares about this place? But then they put in a streetcar, which is no longer there, but the streetcar went from one end of the Rockaways to the other, which would have been really cool to have present day, but yeah, whatever. Um, then in 1900, Edward P. Hatch bought a thousand acres of that area. Um, it was marshland and meadows. And he was like, I'm going to build a, pe- a beach. 
as a part of the Jacob Rees Association for Improving the Conditions of the Poor. So Jacob Rees was like this activist journalist guy. Okay. And he was all like, listen, people who are poor have really shitty lives. Look at these pictures of people living in tenement housing in the East Village or whatever. And he's like, I want to help them have better lives. And so a lot of people were like, yeah, this guy's great or whatever. But some people criticized him and said that the part of the reason why people were living in such horrible conditions is because the crappy living situation allowed them to save up all of their money so they could get the rest of their family over to America. And then they could move somewhere else at a different time. Basically, he was imposing his own white dude ideas onto these poor folks and using that as a way to sort of reform things, which, as we now know, is not the best way to go about it. Right. Um, But they decided to name this beach after him anyway. Um, They didn't want to buy it from... Okay, so basically, he's like, I want to turn this into a beach... But the city was like, well, we're going to turn it into a beach and we're going to call it the Jacob Rees Beach. But we're not going to buy it from you, Edward, because you're charging us $1 million for what is essentially $200,000 worth of land. Um, So they just waited for him to die. (laughs) 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 So then he died. And so then, so basically this is 1900. 13 years later, they finally get the beach ready to go, and they set up jetties, which catch tidal sand. So basically, that's how the beach is formed in some ways. It's like, they set up those jetties, and it catches the tidal sand, and then that adds acreage to the beach. So after two years, they had added 10 acres to the beach. Whoa, that's amazing. That's very interesting about the jetties. Like, yeah, I had no idea. Is the beach at Jacob Reese, actually, I have been there one time, but it was like, eight years ago and it was on a rainy day is the beach really small there like the amount of sand um it's not that small it's i think it's fine i usually go to the tilden side but right that's where i was at tilden and i remember it being small but i could be wrong so it seems like a blur i have a very 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 bad long-term memory yeah i mean i think that the beach is fine also the beach in front of the the pavilion or bathhouse or whatever is pretty big now okay um, even when the tide comes up. But anyways, 1913, they set up the jetties. The sand gets, you know, all stuck in there, and they're like, yay. But then World War One happens, and they stop developing it. So it became like a little park, basically, mm-hmm. for the beach, but it never turned into like this big development they had planned because of the war. So then the war happens. The Navy's like, give us this area for all of our naval shit man and they made Fort Tilden (laughs) out of that and they made like the place where the planes take off it was a big war area you know yeah yeah um whatever whatever World War One happens and then in 1930 the Navy gives the park back to the city um and that's when they build that humongous bathhouse that was inspired by the one at Jones Beach that was built by crazy old Robbie Moses. Oh, good old Robert Moses. Terrible human at large. Um, it had a restaurant inside of it. It had a solarium. And at this point, Whoa. the car lot had been expanded to 5,000. It could hold 5,000 cars, which is amazing to me because it's 1930. So That's crazy. I know. It's wild. That's um, a lot of cars. I mean, I guess you probably don't remember this, but the parking lot at Jacob Reese is the biggest parking lot I've ever seen in my entire life. You could land a plane in it. Really? No, I don't remember it at all. Like I said, I was only there, like, once, and it seems like a dream. 
<laughs> it might have actually been a dream, to be honest. What if it was a dream? What if this was all a dream? It was, like, on a 4th of July, like, in maybe the year 2011. It was, like, raining. And the only... I remember I was with, like, Amelia, who used to be the head baker at Brucey, and then Amanda as well. And some other people. That, that's all I remember. Good story. Um, okay. I know. <laughs> so there they, I was! <laughs> they built this huge bathhouse, which I don't know if you remember, but it's this huge structure that they built. Um, and made the car a lot so it had 5,000 cars. At that point, they were having 25,000 visitors per day at that ding-dang beach. Whoa. Um, then, in 1936, they made the beach bigger um, by stealing 2 million cubic yards of sand from Jamaica Bay and <gasps> sticking it on their beach. <laughs> <laughs> How do you get it? That's a, like a pretty sneaky thing to steal. Like, 25 million pounds of sand how do you get away with that you're like look over there well it's <laughs> cubic yards which to me is a meaningless phrase so i have no idea how much that actually is <laughs> well a yard is three feet so um, three feet by three feet yeah you know. so they made the beach bigger and then you know in the 30s robert moses was fighting with the city a lot to try to figure out what to, he wanted to make it bigger put a swimming pool in there and then people were like, no, we don't want outsiders coming into our town like from other parts of New York, you know, like racism. Mm, um, yes. And so it kind of just stayed the way it was indefinitely um, until, not indefinitely, they, it stayed the same the way people would go out there. But in the 60s, by the time the 60s happened, the beach is in complete disrepair. Um, it has debris all over it. No, oh, debris. <laughs> There are toilet troubles in the bathhouse, and there are crime problems. An eight-year-old was fatally stabbed there in 1962. Oh, my God. The memorial bust of Jacob Reese was stolen in 1964. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine just stealing a bust, not just, like, knocking it down, like, taking it with you. Where is it? I hope somebody still has that thing. Um, yeah, if you guys have the bus, please call into the show. Yeah, let's, fine. let's do a whole podcast about the missing Jacob Reese bus. Um, <laughs> Reese or bust. <laughs> um, you know, there were drugs and there was naked people. So apparently Jacob Reese has always been like kind of a naked place. Mm. Um, but they, it was concerning to, you know, in the 60s, everyone's like, oh my God, naked people are bad. So they were mad about that. But, um, Naked people oh, are yeah. bad. Also, 80 people were stung by man wars in one year. What? What is happening there. over there? Jesus Christ. Um, in the 70s, they tried to crack down on nude bathing. So they tried to make it illegal to bathe nude there. Um, and they passed some like laws where you could get a ticket for it. But basically what the Wikipedia article said is that the park service guys would just be like, if they're minding their own business, we're not going to cite them for being naked at the beach, which is pretty chill. That's nice. Um, in 1976, they closed the beach because there was raw sewage there in the water. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> in Yuck. 1978, they closed the beach because there was an oil spill. In 1988, <laughs> They closed the beach because there were eight syringes washed up on the shore. And that was happening at beaches all across New York, apparently. Glorious. That, that was quite a time to be alive. In 1991, they had to close the beach because it was full of medical waste, including syringes and vials of painkillers. <laughs> uh. um, in 1983, the squares finally got their way and 
nude bathing was banned, but it didn't stop it for one second. Wow. Um, and it still continues today, although it now, I believe, well, topless bathing is legal in New York, but. No peens. Few, full naked is not legal. Zero peen. So that means, like, it's not really fair for <clears throat> people with peens who want to yeah, show their peen. Yeah. I mean. By peen, I, I mean to, penis. I went to the beach over in New Jersey that's fully nude, and I honestly saw too many peens. It was a little much for me. Yeah, dude. There's a nude beach. There's a nude beach, like, when you're walking from Robert Moses Beach to Kismet, and we used to do that when I was a kid, and you'd have to walk through the nude beach. And I remember the first time I remember, like, seeing a peen, there was a dude who was, like, laying with his back and butt to us. And I looked over, and his, like, penis and balls were, like, pushed through his legs. And I was so confused. I was, like, you know, seven or eight. I was like, what is that? (laughs) And I was like, that's a pervert. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That there is a pervert. Uh, the people on the beach that I went to were just a lot of them totally naked guys, all in their middle age, um, and just standing on the beach naked. All of them standing. No one's just laying down. No yeah, they probably all got home. They were like, I'm going to go show off my peen today. And they mm-hmm. got home and it was like sunburned. And then we'll see who has the last laugh. The sun. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um... Yeah, so, they, you know, they cleaned up the beach. Hillary Clinton was involved. Cost a lot of money. They kept starting and stopping. They would, like, they put, like, a couple million into re- renovating the bathhouse and then stop. <laughs> I'm just picturing Hillary Clinton picking up trash with one of those, like, sticks with a poker on the end. No, she's just, like, fighting for money in Congress. She's not going out to the beach. She doesn't give a shit. Sure, sure. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, the beach is sort of like a metaphor for government and how it's stupid and also how the world started using drugs in medical waste. Mm, interesting. <laughs> but now the beach is super nice. They renovated it all and they got all that new hipster money going in there and now you have a bunch of restaurants and um, the beach is clean and except for the part where you can't sit anywhere because of the stupid puffin birds that were trying to or no piping plovers yeah the plovers yep you gotta save Um, those plovers i don't know why but we do it's like share the road plovers but um (laughs) yeah it's all fancy and shiny and new and the bathhouse you know is renovated you can't most of the bathhouse is now used for little vendors and stuff but um, oh cool Nice. Story. I got to get out there. I've never been. I mean, I've again. We we don't know if I've been in reality or in, in a dream, but <laughs> I should go. I'm very like picky and snobby about the beach. I only go to Robert Moses, but that's not even because I'm snobby. It's really just because I'm a creature of habit and I have a problem with change. I have a problem with change, and I grew up going there. And we should change the name of that beach because Robert Moses sucks. He's yeah. a bad per- he was a bad person and he's still a bad person because he's a vampire and he's still alive. Oh, he is? <laughs> no, he's de- he's long gone. But uh yeah, we need to change the name of that beach. Um that's a great story. Should we take a break? Mhm. Okay, great. Bye. Come back, please, Bye. please. <laughs> 
This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. We're back. We're back at it. And I've got something to say. God damn it. I'm also going to tell a story about a person from history. (laughs) (laughs) I'm also going to tell the story of Jacob Reese. Just kidding. (laughs) But the untold story. (laughs) I'm going to talk about today. So I started researching like food from the Jersey Shore and uh, admittedly, I don't have much experience with the Jersey Shore. I We would go down to AC maybe a couple times when I was a kid. I remember going one time we stayed in a hotel and there was like a Republican convention there, uh, awesomely enough. And cool. um, it was so cool. It was great. And that's where I met my husband. Um, no, I was a kid and I remember seeing Dave Thomas, the founder of Wendy's, was there. And I was like, it was probably the first celebrity I ever saw except for Chevy Chase and Billy Joel. And I was just like, whoa. And there's like a, ho- uh, um, a roller coaster inside the hotel we were at. And I thought it was chill. And then I remember going to Wawa for the first time. And I had like a hamster and I kept it in my pocket. And that's basically all I remember. You took a hamster to Atlantic City? <laughs> I know. Is that weird? I don't know why. Maybe I got it there. Oh, and I remember also choking on a mozzarella stick and, like, having to pull the cheese out of my throat. Yeah, it's an all-American experience. Yeah, dude, those are... Why do we fucking have that? It's, like, the most dangerous food. It, like, should not be allowed. It's good, though. It's mad good. It's mad good. (laughs) It's mad good. So I started I didn't know that Atlantic City is considered part of the Jersey Shore. Oh, yeah, babe. Oh, yeah. It's It's part of the shore. Go down the shore. As people from Jersey like to say. And okay. I think also Pennsylvania. I watched the Jersey Shore. You know what? I didn't watch the Jersey Shore, really. And I'm not even, like, a reality TV person. I don't typically enjoy it. But it was more like... Except for I did, like, the real world a lot. Oh, hell yeah. Of course. Um, True story! And world, <laughs> world rules and the real world road rules challenge. Like, yeah. I love that. For um, sure. Puck. Yeah, totally. And Pedro. Rest in peace. Um... Yeah. But Jersey Shore, to me, was kind of just like an extension of the real world because they all lived together and they all partied together. So I feel yeah, like it's like the real world Jersey. Mm, never saw it. Um, I'm assuming they also all gave each other chlamydia. Mm. I don't know if they date each other, actually. 
Oh, okay. Well, they probably just gave other people chlamydia. Anyway, I'm not talking about them, but maybe I will <laughs> next week. I started looking up food from the Jersey Shore. I went on a real indoor hotel roller coaster ride with this, okay. where deciding my topic, and I think you're going to love where I landed. Um, so I am going to talk about food, but not until the end, so just hold your breath the entire time like you would as though you're peeing in a cemetery. Um, so I'm going to talk about the Prohibition era in Atlantic City. and most, Like some TV show. Yes, exactly like the TV show. And most specifically, who the TV show was based on, Nucky Johnson, who was known as Nucky Thompson on the show. But his name in real life was Nucky Johnson. Confusing. Yes. So I got my information today from mostly from Wikipedia and also an all that's interesting article called the wildlife of mobster Nucky Johnson and his real life boardwalk empire by Amy Lamoureux. So here's a little bit of, um, I want to tell you, start to tell you a little bit about like Atlantic city in general, and then we'll talk about prohibition and then we'll talk about Nucky. So, um, Atlantic city becomes incorporated in 1854 uh, and in 1853, the first commercial hotel was called the Bellow House, and it was built at the intersection of Massachusetts and Atlantic Avenues in Atlantic City. And then the next year when it was incorporated was also the year when the Camden Line um, began train service. And so that ran between Trenton and Atlantic City. So it kind of made it possible for people from like, New York and everywhere to get there easier. I don't know if you remember on the TV show, but like there weren't even highways, really. People were just like you know, driving down the shore and like on dirt roads and stuff. Oh, I thought, <laughs> I thought you meant the Jersey shore reality. TV oh show. yes. And during, I was like, yep, that's what it was like. It's yeah, definitely during, set in the 1920s. <laughs> yeah. During the early 19, uh, during the early, early aughts, there was only dirt roads. Picture it. It was crazy. Um, okay. So during prohibition in the United States was a nationwide constitutional ban on alcohol production, importation, transportation and sale and it lasts between 1920 and 1933 now i was reading sorry i just have one small i was listening to some something where they were talking about this because it's it's just it's totally insane that we did this as a country like it it is insane and it's really interesting to think about from the opposite perspective like we want to do huge sleeping change now you know but people are like but what about all those jobs but like, all the major beer brewers, which was a huge portion of, like, Brooklyn and wherever else they were brewing Milwaukee beer. and, yeah. Um, they all shut down their factories and everyone lost their jobs because of Prohibition. <clears throat> it is really crazy. But the thing about, like, you know, of course, it's insane. And it obviously didn't work. And criminalizing vices, as we know, is not good. Um, but... In the, like, small defense of Prohibition, I think that it was a time when people got drunk in a very different way way than they got drunk today. Like, you know, back in that time, people were getting, like, so fucking fucked up. And the whole temperance movement had a lot to do, like, you know, the women involved in the temperance movement were, like, sick of being, like, beaten to, like, a pulp by their drunk husbands. Um, well, that's part of it. I mean, are you going to go into Prohibition? No, before? no, I'm not. I think we should okay. save that and maybe do a whole episode on it. But it is interesting. I'm not, I'm obviously not for Prohibition, but I that side of the argument. Um, so anyway, the Prohibition was also n- known as the Volstead Act, which was named for Minnesota Representative Andrew Volstead. And he was the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee who, was cha- who championed the bill. 
Um, so following the ban, criminal gangs gain control of beer and liquor sale. Obviously, we know, like, you know, the, ah, see, kind of criminals, like the Al Capones <laughs> of that time, or the people who were, like, running stuff. Um, and by, blah, blah, in Atlantic City, they basically, like, didn't pay any attention to prohibition. They just kept on selling alcohol. Um, by the late 1920s, people were, like, really against it. They were very sick of it. Um, so about 10 years in out of a 13-year span. Critics attacked the policy, saying um, that it local, lowered local revenues um, and it imposed rural Protestant religious values on urban America, which mm-hmm. is very true. Yeah, uh, it's crazy. Yeah, it's like a non-separation of church and state. There has to be simply a better way to get people's husbands to stop. And it's also an example them. of how really Americans just can't let go of their puritanical roots. Absolutely. 100%. Right, and I mean, unfortunately, we still suffer under that same kind of uh, puritanical idealization that is intertwined in our government with, you know, obviously abortion and a million other things. People cannot somehow separate themselves from their religion and realize that we don't all celebrate your religion. Or follow it, or whatever you call it. I don't know anything about religion. So anyway, Prohibition ended in 1833 on December 5th um, with the ratification of the 21st Amendment, which repealed the 18th Amendment. And to this day, it's the only time in American history in which a constitutional amendment was passed for the purpose of repealing another, which I think really. I also my favorite name of a liquor store, which is in Indiana, is called the 21st Amendment Liquors, and I just think it's ooh, that's hilarious. cool. I'm like, you guys, look at you. That's Calling amazing. It the 21st Amendment, making me look up what that is when I'm 16. So cool. That's fun. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Atlantic City, like, did not follow this at all. It, they had a completely tourist-based economy, and um, they, like, all the hotels and all the, like, people who were in charge in the local government in the city, like, encouraged business owners to provide whatever it was that they needed to make their visitors happy. Yeah. Because people weren't going to just come there and not drink, so... Wealthy people also had no problem getting liquor and keeping liquor, and also different places in the South, apparently. Just never really... Never paid attention to it. Interesting. (laughs) We should do a whole episode on... Yeah, let's do that. That'll be fun. Maybe we'll do it, like, after this to follow up. Um... So also the city's beachfront location in the docks like made it a really ideal place to bring for rum runners to like bring booze in. Um, so it was kind of just like the perfect place. So and then there was also a powerful city boss who allegedly controlled everything from smuggling operation to law enforcement to the restaurants where the alcohol was served. Um, he was in charge of basically everything in Atlantic City and he did everything very much wide out in the open and flagrantly violated the law. And this man's name was Enoch Lewis Nucky Thompson, uh, Nucky Johnson. And he was born January 20th, 1883. Um, and he was like a political boss. So he started as a elected sheriff. And shortly after he was appointed to the position of, um, Atlanta County Republican executive committee secretary. (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. So do you remember in the show, like, the Commodore or whatever? Not the bar where we like to eat nachos at, but the Commodore in the show. Did you watch no. the show? I did watch the show, but I don't remember it very well. Okay. So, yeah, on the show, this guy, the Commodore, was supposed to be, you know, this, like, imposing figure in real life. 
he was kind of the same. He had been the boss of Nucky Johnson. Nucky took his job over. Then Nucky became the county treasurer. So he had, like, uh, access to all the loot. Um, and he was just basically, he ran the town. Like, very similarly to the show. Although they say, in, in what I was reading, they say that he never actually killed anyone in real life. I mean, we don't really know that. But on the show, it showed that he had killed a bunch of people. Right. But, um, Including his wife's cousin kind of yeah i don't remember but you know what i'm gonna rewatch it because i loved that show it was amazing and i really want to rewatch it now that i've been reading i this. you know i think the beginning is good i think the end it kind of just i've never actually finished it because the me end neither just, just kind of goes off the rails or whatever yeah um, i didn't finish it either but it was really but, cool yeah um i also just remember when it was filming all the time over in greenpoint at those studios right. yeah 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 um, but this sounds like an amazing time in history that I would love to go back to. Um, so yeah, he was in charge, charge of everything. Um, Atlantic City was called the world's playground at the time. And it was definitely that. Um, so they were bootlegging. They were in charge of gambling and sex work operations. Um, so he said his influence and power in the city um, was like kind of just the utmost he was he was basically like the unofficial mayor of the city um in fact his income came from the percentage of he got a cut of every single gallon of liquor he got a cut of every single gambling operation and he got a cut of every single sex work prop uh, operation in the whole city nice um so apparently he made like five hundred thousand dollars a year in that time's money, like twenties money, which today is like eight million dollars a year just from the cuts that he got off the top. That's of things. a good living, isn't that crazy? Uh, he wrote a chauffeur-driven powder blue limousine and wore expensive clothes, in- including a twelve hundred dollar at that time raccoon coat. Nice, full draped in raccoons. I mean, status symbol. <laughs> <laughs> raccoon fur um anyways personal trademark was a red carnation that he would get fresh every day he lived at the ritz carlton on the boardwalk and he was either referred to as the czar of the ritz um or the prisoner of the ritz um but people really liked him he was like well loved he was benevolent he was generous um he was quoted as saying when i lived well everybody lived well and under his rules, one of the leading ports for prosperity, and during that time, but also obviously for bootlegging. So then this next part, I think, is very interesting. In 1927, he agrees to participate in a loose organization of other bootleggers and racketeers on the East Coast, forming the Big Seven or Seven Group. Now, I tried to look up like what who was in the Big Seven or Seven Group. And I couldn't really figure it out, but when I clicked on, there was like very vague to no specific information about this, but when I clicked on the link from Wikipedia, this group was also referred to as Murder Inc. Nah. By themselves, yeah. And it was an organized crime group in the 1930s and 40s that acted as the enforcement arm of the Italian-American mafia, Jewish mob, and connected organized crime groups in New York City and elsewhere. And so a couple of members that are pretty notorious of this Big Seven group were um, Bushy, uh, Bugsy Siegel, um, Meyer Lansky, Lucky Luciano, Vito Genovese, uh, Joey, Johnny Torrio, and Al Capone. Cool. I know. Isn't that crazy? 
Very cool. Well, Al Capone is in the show, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He is in the yeah. show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And the guy who plays him is great. He's like uh, he's so good. He's actually like British, I think. Which is, is he really? Yeah, he's he's not an Italian American guy, but he plays him really well. That is the show is really fucking good. I really do want to watch it again. Um his top enforcer was uh the powerful fourth ward boss and former Ritz Carlton bellhop, Jimmy Boyd. So that's the guy who I'm talking about, who the young guy with the mushroom cut who is always at um, Romans. I just can't remember his name. Michael Pitt. Michael Pitt. Michael Pitt. Yes. Okay. He, cool. like, is in a relationship with one of the supermodel regulars at Marlon Oh, really? And he was, like, on the show kind of, like, oddly maybe screwing his mom. It was pretty weird, but... Yeah, who is, um, what's her name, though? She's always in old-timey shows. I know, I can't remember her name. Gretchen... Gretchen Maul. Gretchen Maul. Gretchen yeah. Maul. Yeah. And then, spoiler alert, she maybe has to kill him. Oh, really? Or no, she doesn't kill him. I thought Somebody he killed her. <laughs> All right, so by the late 1920s, Jimmy Boyd was running every speakeasy, illegal casino, numbers racket, and brothel in the entire city. So this is kind of how the downfall of uh, Nucky Johnson happens, which I think is very interesting. So Nucky Johnson was allegedly becoming very close to a showgirl who William Randolph Hearst was, like da- I think, dating on the side, like his girlfriend. Oh. And William Randolph Hearst and Nucky Johnson apparently had very bad blood. So Hearst Yeah, would... he's also the bad guy in Deadwood. It's just, like, not a good guy. Right. Oh, wait. The actor? No. William Randolph Hearst is the bad guy in Deadwood. How is that possible? That timing doesn't add up. Deadwood's, well, like, in the 1800s. It's in the late 1800s. It goes into the 1900s. Oh, interesting. Okay, cool. I didn't. I don't remember anything about Deadwood except for that guy with the mustache. I, I, I should also rewatch that. <laughs> um, I mean, I think maybe he was a younger man, but you know, like the year nineteen hundred and the year nineteen twenty are only twenty years apart. Yeah, so no, that makes awesome. perfect sense. I I feel you. I I smell what the rock is cooking again. It's cod. Um. So anyway, so bad blood existed between them, and Hearst apparently started publishing things about Naki, like mentioning him in articles about vice in atlantic city oh sorry so george hearst is his dad he's the bad guy in deadwood okay that makes more sense so william william randolph hearst Naki johnson enemies basically william randolph hearst like outs him not that it's like a public secret it's not like that anybody you know doesn't know what Naki's up to but basically because he puts it in print it kind of holds the police to task and so he, that's kind of one of the ways in which he ends up getting uh, fucked over and taken down. So Johnson was the focus of an investigation by the feds because of this, um, as, as a result of Hearst. And Hearst was also lobbying Roosevelt's administration to do something about Nucky Johnson, which I just think this, that's very interesting. Um, in 1933, prohibition ends and so it eliminates like the need for that kind of bootlegging alcohol sales so that's one knock against him he also gets a property lien uh filed against him for owed back taxes that he earned in 1927 so 1933 is a very bad year for nucky johnson um 
And then on May 10th, so he's kind of like dealing with all this for a couple of years. On May 10th, 1939, he's indicted for evading taxes in the amount of $125,000 and that times money. So it's probably about a million dollars around that today. Dang. <clears throat> yeah. They have a two-week trial, concludes in July 1941. He's convicted and sentenced to 10 years in federal prison and fined $20,000. He only serves four years of his sentence. Uh, the 20000 in today's money is like 285000 uh, he serves four years of sentence. Then he gets out and he like is still has like a great life. He gets married like right before he goes to prison. He gets out. He still wears nice clothes and blah, 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 blah. He's fine. Um, he ends up dying of natural causes at age 85 in his sleep at the Atlanta County convalescence home, which doesn't sound very good. That sounds like not a great place to be, but maybe it was nice. Who knows? Um, but anyway, he, he dies in his sleep and. So, what I want to talk about with food. So, there's tons of old restaurants in New Jersey in general, but, like, a lot of cool old restaurants down the shore. And some that are in Atlantic City that are pretty awesome. And I want to talk about one specifically. So, our friend Jenny mentioned this to me a couple of years ago. I don't know if she ever told you, but her and Dan, actually, right before Dan ended up getting pneumonia all that time back and almost died, they went to Atlantic City and they went to this place called the Knife and Fork Inn, mm-hmm. which is like one of the oldest opened. I think uh, it says nineteen twelve, but then in my reading, it was actually like opened even before that. I think in the eighteen hundreds. It's the craziest look. Look it up right now. The Knife and Fork Inn. It's the craziest looking building. It's so cool and so intricate. But basically, this Knife and Fork Inn was like the inspiration for the place Babette's. That's Mm. in Boardwalk Empire, which wasn't, like, a real place, but it was kind of based on this place, the Knife and Fork Inn. Oh, wow. It's crazy. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. So, it's a restaurant. It's located at Atlantic and Pacific Avenues in Atlantic City. And it was first opened in 1912 as a private club by the Commodore, the guy who is the guy from the show and the real guy who um, Nucky Johnson took over for. Mm. So, it was uh, established by... The mayor at the time of Atlantic City, his name was William Riddle, and his associates as an exec- exclusive men's drinking and dining club. <laughs> Pretty crazy. Um, he, it was, like, just supposed to be, like, very, like, well-built and very beautiful. Apparently, like, the whole thing is made, constructed, uh, constructed using copper nails, like, rust-proof copper nails, which is wow. just kind of amazing. Um, it has stucco walls, um, gables, and terracotta roof mo- modeled after the Flemish architecture that Riddle had seen in Belgium and the Netherlands. Um, so on the second floor, there's dining alcoves for privacy and, like, God knows what else went in there. Um, there's a women's lounge upstairs because women were not allowed to go in the bar area, which is also true of Keens. And it's still at Keens. There's not allowed to be any women bartenders. Isn't that fucked up? In the main what? bar. Yeah. No women bartenders that's are... That's crazy. It's... I don't know how that's still allowed. It's pretty insane. They can bartend upstairs, but not in the main bar. Um, so anyway, there was, like, gambling and all this shit going on. So, part of the reason that this place... This place, like, was the place. As soon as Prohibition kicked in, they are like, we're fucking, like, holding it down on the knife and fork. Um, they have managed to avoid raids because they were protected by Naki Johnson and the bar was, however, uh, it was raided like in, I guess, 1927 and membership went down after that. 
um, and then a new family took over the Latzes, and throughout, um, until, like, the 90s, the Latzes owned it, and they made it into, like, a nice restaurant, they took the bar out during Prohibition, I guess they must have put it back in afterwards, and they kind of battled over the place for a long time, and eventually, the Doherty family took it over, who were the longtime proprietors of a place called Doc's Oyster House, which has been in Atlantic City since 1897. And they still own it. Really? Yeah, they still own it. And it's like a fancy, super like Keens-like. I was looking at them. I wanted to try to find the original menu, but I couldn't find it anywhere. Um, But the menu now is just like, you know, it looks awesome. You can like make anything Oscar style, which is like adding crab meat and like Bernays sauce to it. I mean, I was actually like so hungry before and looking through it and like, I wonder what we would order if we went. <laughs> I am. Um, so my friend had, um, I was a maid of honor. I threw her a bachelorette party in Atlantic city and we went oh, cool. to one of the oldest Italian restaurants Ooh. in Atlantic city. What was, do you remember what it was called? I'm trying to actually look it up right now from this like ancient back and forth from 2014. Um, but I can't find it. That's fun. There's also like an Italian restaurant there that I was going to talk about, but there wasn't enough kind of content on it, but it was a kind of a speakeasy Italian restaurant that like is unlisted. Now you can kind of find the number, but it's supposed to be like the most fun place. It's in like the basement of like an old house, but it's supposed to be one of the best Italian places like in New Jersey. Yeah. I I think we talked about this. So I think that this, yeah. Um, yeah, also I planned a whole bachelorette party in Atlantic City, which was brilliant of me. Was it they so fun? Like, it was just really fun because, first of all, there were, like, 12 of us, and we all shared two hotel rooms. Um, cool. And we all, like, drove out there, and we just we were staying in a casino hotel, and m- very few of us cared about gambling. So we, like, went to the beach, um, and then we some people went off to gamble, and the rest of us just kind of wandered around and then we went to the we went to this old Italian restaurant which was a little bit further away than I realized but it was still fine we all walked over there and then um yeah we partied at the restaurant we went back and I got us a karaoke room which is basically in a glass encased room in the middle of a karaoke bar so you're, you're in the room but like everyone can see you and you can see them but they can't hear you and so it was really cool that's so fun. That sounds yeah, amazing. It was, it was really fun. How cool. I really want to go. I wish, like, I mean, maybe when, I, I don't really want to say when this is all over, because that doesn't feel like there's, like, an actual end date, but maybe in five years when this is actually officially behind us, we can go to Atlantic City. <laughs> I think it'd be really fun. And next week, I want to talk about, like, AC foods, because there's, like, so many fun foods from Atlantic City. My mom was telling me some of her, like, favorite old beach foods from down the shore and stuff when she was a kid and from Jones Beach. But, um, yeah, fun, beach, sand, food. Sun. Oh, I found it. It's Angelo's Fairmont Tavern. Oh, was it, was it an old place? It's very old and very affordable, which is why we got it. Oh, cool. That's so fun. And everyone <laughs> everyone had to pay $75 for the whole weekend. It's hilarious. <laughs> really? That's it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. That sounds so great. How fun. Yeah. Um, what are your top three favorite favorite beach foods that are not inappropriate? Well, I have a tradition where I go to Fort Tilden, but we park in the Jacob Reese parking lot. We stop and we get a frozen beverage and make the roughly mile-long hike out to where we like to go. Nice. Um, 
But at that place, they also have delicious tater tots. I like to eat tater tots. Yum. But generally, I'm not really into eating on the beach itself. It's too hot, sand gets and stuff, and I'm just like a purist. I just want to like swim, lay out, maybe have a beer, but maybe just one, and then tan and read. Interesting. Okay, that's good. That's good beach. That's good beach meat. Um, I like to bring fruit, cold fruit to the beach. Watermelon Ooh. is always good. Um, I like to bring like chips or pretzels. And then my number one's got to be like my, when I go with my mom, like every time it's uh, like 100% of the time, not most of the time. Bobby always makes chicken salad and oh, yeah. cucumber salad with like watermelon in it and like every single time she'll be like do you want two separate cups because she puts it in cups uh, and there's always like tons of like alt chips like bean chips and tortilla chips and stuff sometimes regular potato chips um and I'm like no I want I like the cucumber salad with like the vinegary dressing on top of the chicken salad but my mom doesn't like to combine her food together like that so she, like, can't accept that I do. So seriously, like, after hundreds, maybe thousands of times of the same conversation, she still asked me if I want the cucumber on top of the chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, well, that's how I like it, Bobby. But, yeah, that would be my number one favorite thing. Love it. So good. It's, like, cold. She keeps it on tons of ice. And I will really recommend, it's a great pro tip, that, like, if you are bringing a salad or something, like, actually hefty to the beach to eat, like, bring a cup yeah you have to put something in it and instead of a plate because a plate yeah sand will blow on it but a cup is protected it's just yeah and i guess a cooler i just i don't like to bring a lot of stuff to the beach either so that's part totally. of it totally so my stepdad has this contraption called a roll easy <laughs> call us roll easy we could you could be advertising on america's favorite podcast right now on america's favorite beach podcast um but it's a real easy it's like these two giant wheels and like basically a hand truck and like you just roll it down the beach you just put all your shit on there and you just roll it so you don't have to lug everything it's basically like there should be an infomercial for it like are you tired of your cooler falling in the sand and all your grapes getting sandy well you need a real easy it's pretty amazing (laughs) highly recommend how do you feel where do you stand on kite flying kite flying yeah i've only done it once Okay. It was fine. Great beach activity. I love it. I'm more into playing catch on the beach. Yeah, catch is good on the beach. Catch is really good. How do you feel about being buried in the sand? Mm-mm-mm. Will you bury someone else? No. No. No burying. I'm pro-burying. I'm all about laying still on the beach. I know that about you. I've been to the beach with you a couple, couple times. I know your vibe. Yeah. I just kind of, like, move a good hundred yards away from you and <laughs> let you do your own thing. <laughs> so, um, apparently, the Lion beaches yesterday were closed down because, because there's been... Because of medical waste? No, 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 mon frere. Not shark? because of shark atta- shark sightings. Yep. Yeah. Well, I have the Shark Tracker app, so I oh. know every shark sighting. Although they're seriously way, they're in Massachusetts every summer. There's always a million shark settings, and they close the beach for an hour. Right. And they um, let you go right back out there. There was even one that just alerted me yesterday that was like, shark seal predation beach will be closed for one hour. And I'm like, 
I don't want to go back in that water after a shark just ate a seal that they think humans are. Oh, that's crazy. That's nuts. And someone got killed in Maine, right? Just this mm-hmm. weekend, this past weekend. That's very sad. That's a terrible, terrible way to die. I recently watched Jaws. And that's a fucking <laughs> scary movie. Holy shit. That movie is scary. I love it. It's one of my favorites. I love it too, man. Quint. Is Quint the best character in any film ever? Who is yeah. that man? What else was he in, that guy? Uh, I have no idea. He looks He's like a hot. Captain. <laughs> He's truly hot. And Quint, you could catch it. But you're definitely dead by this point. You died in the movie and probably also in real life. <laughs> but he's hot. I just read, I just read, I, my favorite thing to do is read the, the title of an article and never read it and wonder what it said. Um, and it was like, <laughs> Jaws is one of the greatest movies of all time. How did it spawn one of the worst sequels of all time? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I've never seen Jaws 2. Oh, me neither. I the didn't have. mean movie. No. I think. I think there's like a Jaws three and four. What? Where? I wonder where is Richard Dreyfuss in any of these films? No. Hmm. Um, Jaws two is apparently they're all really bad. All the remakes or the sequels, but Jaws two is apparently really really bad. And I'm like, I should definitely see that. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, if if it's saying it's bad, I want to watch it. Um, yeah, the beach man. It's mystical. It's mysterious. Sometimes it's full of needles. Sometimes it's full of sharks. Um, it's full of medical waste. Exactly. All kinds of medical waste. Raw you, sewage. Oh, I have a friend who... <laughs> is it, maybe is it you? I have a friend who swam at Fort Tilden last year or the year before when there was a lot of sewage issues out there, and um, they got sick. <laughs> Ew, no, it was not me. That's why like, I don't fucking... That's why I don't swim at city beaches. And I'm not trying yeah. to, like, grab a poop. When I was a kid, we went to Splish Splash. My stepsister <coughs> fucking grabbed... Like, reach your hand out and just, like, fucking Caddyshack style grabbed a whole poop. What is Splish Splash? Splish Splash is uh, actually literally dubbed America's favorite water park. But it's, <laughs> um, I think that's, like, their slogan. But it's, like, a big water park in Long Island. Oh. So you can imagine the types of, like, amazing, glorious people that are there at Long Island's favorite water park. <laughs> <laughs> It's crazy. My mom, God bless her. I never realized how much, you know, when you're young, you're just like, oh, I met Splish Splash. This is so fun. And you don't realize how must it actually been. You know, my mom just yeah. like would take us and like float along the lazy river and a bunch of kid pee. No, yeah. Summer. I mean, the great thing about those places is there's enough chlorine in there to like rip your skin off. So there's no germs. But my That's mom true. used to take my sister and I to a similar water park that I wish I could remember the name of it because we were like obsessed with it. But there was no even, like, lazy river for her. So she was just, like, literally standing on the side, no shade. Oh. Watching her two small children fuck around. And our, our favorite thing was, like, this giant mushroom that sprayed water down on you. So, like, oh. you know, for, like, two-year-olds, this is fun. But, like, for my mom, she was like, this is boring as hell. <laughs> I know. kind of makes me sad. It's, like, one of those happy, sad things. You have memories of your parents, and it's, like, yeah. really sweet, but, like, also kind of sad. Well, they loved us, so it's fine for them, I guess. Yeah. Also, my dad was telling me, this is, like, also kind of happy sad. He, so, when my parents got divorced, he had custody of us for a while, and he was talking about, I was like, remember, Dad, when we went to Kings Island, which is the nearest big amusement park to Indianapolis, which is in Ohio? So, it's, like, two, maybe three hours away. Um, Maybe two hours away. But he was talking about how he would drive us there 
and then be at the park with us all day long and then drive home and practically fall asleep at the wheel after oh taking God. it to, like, he went by himself with us. Oh, dad. I know. And really I don't really cute. remember those visits. I remember us being bigger and, like, my step family going and stuff. But yeah. I was like, oh, dad. Also, that must have been, like, a nice thirst trap. Like, if you were at an amusement park and you saw this hot dad with two daughters, wouldn't totally. you be like, hello? Was your dad hot? Yeah, he was hot. Really? A hot dog? Can you send a picture? What? Can you send me a picture? I, as I mentioned, I'm really lonely. I could really, (laughs) I would really appreciate a picture, an old picture of your hot dad to get me through the night. Time has withered him away along with his job. He was also talking about how he never got to go on vacation because he was paid hourly when he was young. And because my sister's talking about going on vacation. Well, I've been unemployed for like 20 months, but like he's like... He's like, my sister's going on vacation with her boyfriend and his family, and they invited me to come. And he's like, I don't know how you guys go on all these vacations. I never got to go on vacation until I was in my 60s or my 50s. And I was like, well, they stole your youth, Dad. Oh, true. Dad. It's true, though. He wasn't able to go on vacation. Oh, Dad. that sucks. Well, send me, a, send me a younger picture then before, you know, time took its toll on him, please. Okay. I don't have any on my phone. I'll find, I'll find something yeah, for you. Yeah, if I ask him just to send even a... Just a dick pic would be fine. <laughs> Ew! My father. If you're listening, uh, Ted, send a well, dick pic. Well, now he can never listen to this episode, ever. <laughs> uh, where are you going to go on vacation to? They're going somewhere that I forget already, because I don't think oh. I'm going to go. Maybe okay, I'll great. Go. That sounds amazing. You should definitely go. It's it's beautiful there this time of year. Yes. In October is when they're going. Oh, that's a good time for a vacay. Um, all right. Well, life is a beach and then you die. <laughs> Am I right, everyone? Uh, yeah. This was a great episode. Made me want to go to the beach, but it's going to rain any minute, so I'm not going to. Sure is. And uh, I love you very much. Thank you. Hasta la pasta salad. That's a good thing to eat on the beach. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. Love you. Talk to you next week. Bye. Okay. Bye. Life's Banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening. <laughs>